0: Well, I want to welcome everybody to CCV this weekend. My name is Travis Brown. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And it was just a couple months ago on a Sunday morning in between services when I was at church when a lady named Jennifer walked up to me and she said, Hey, do you have a few moments? Because I need to share with somebody the impact that this church has made on me. And she proceeded to tell me how earlier this year, how her life has been spiraling out of control. And then she gets to early March, and she, she said that she got to the end of her sanity. Those were her words. And she found herself on a Sunday morning sitting in her truck She said she could vividly remember the taste of the metal that was in her mouth from the gun that she had in there that she was planning on using to take her life. She said in in that moment she felt so defeated and unworthy and she felt so, so broken and she thought that the best thing that she could do would be to end her life. But that's when God used a, a series of people to intersect In Jennifer's life, one of her friends, Anne Marie, got her the help that she needed in that moment, and Jennifer accepted it. And then, about a week later, after getting help, she decided to go in and speak to her boss and try to talk to him and explain to him why she had missed work for the last week. And to her relief, when she explained her story, she says he was so compassionate and understanding. But then he handed her something that caught her off guard. He handed her an invite card, and he invited her to come to church. In fact, what he handed her was an invite to CCV Christmas services. Granted, this was March, so that card didn't quite get handed out in time. It was, a few, it was a few months late, but God still used it. He kept it better late than never, but he invited her to church. A couple days later, Jennifer was talking to... Uh, her friend, Anne-Marie, who, who helped her initially, and she was telling her about this church that she'd been invited to from her boss, and that's when her friend says, wait a minute, that's the church we go to. Why don't you come with us this coming weekend? And so that coming weekend, Jennifer attended church, her and her husband did, with, with their friends, and they sat through service, and they're walking out of service, and her and her husband look at each other, and they just shake their heads and say, man, that was speaking right to us. They started attending regularly, and then she decided to go all in with Jesus and get baptized, but the story gets even better. See, leading into her baptism, she was talking to her boss, Tony was his name, and since he was the one who initially invited her, she was telling him how she was getting ready to be baptized, that's when he stopped her and says, well, can I get baptized with you? I've been wanting to do that for a while. And this is a picture of Jennifer and her husband, Mike, and her boss, Tony, that got baptized this last May at our Peoria campus. And on the ends of that picture is her friend, Anne Marie, and her husband, Michael. But little do we know what is at stake and what is on the other end of our invitation. Because what was at stake for Jennifer was literally her life. You know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series called Bridges. It's been all about evangelism. In week one, Ashley showed how God uses people as bridges to bring them to Jesus. And last week, in week two, Mark showed us effective ways that we can connect with people to be most impactful with our invite. And today, we're going to be reminded of what's at stake when we reach out to people and share our faith in invite them. And to start off our time today, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever stayed away from something because you underestimated its impact? Maybe back in 2016, you wanted to invest in a company, but you didn't think an electric car company named Tesla was going to amount to much. You underestimated its impact. Or for some of you, There's someone who you underestimated their impact. They're actually sitting next to you right now. You didn't realize what all the things that God was going to do in and through them, and you're like nudging them. But it's amazing what God has done. Today, we're gonna look at a story from the book of Acts where we see an invitation that took place nearly 2,000 years ago that we still feel the impact of today. So let me set the scene for you. It's in Acts chapter nine. We run across Two very different people that God is going to intersect in each other's lives. The, the first person that we see is one of the most well-known people in, in all of Scripture other than Jesus. It's, it's a man by the name of Saul. Saul later would get his name changed to Paul and make a huge impact. For those of you that don't know, Paul wrote 13 books that we find in the New Testament. He started countless churches, and the impact Paul made, we are still feeling today because of all the people he reached and the churches that he started. We can say that we still feel that today, but Paul was not always like this. See, before becoming a a champion for Jesus, Paul, who was then called Saul, was actually an enemy of believers. He hated Christians and and even went as far as killing them. And in Acts chapter 9, Paul is headed to the city of Damascus where he's on a mission to persecute anybody who associates themselves with Jesus. He probably wants to torture them and capture them. He wants to take them back to Jerusalem and put them in prison. And he's on this road heading to Damascus when all of a sudden something incredible happens. This big bright light shines down on Saul and he gets knocked down. And then all of a sudden he hears the voice of Jesus saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In a moment, Saul realized that he wasn't persecuting other people, He was actually persecuting Jesus, who was the God of the universe. And after this incredible moment, Saul's blinded, and then he ends up going into the city of Damascus, where I'm sure he's, he's confused and wondering what to do next. And through that, there's a couple things that we need to remember before we extend an invitation to somebody. Number one, that God is already at work in their life. As we're bridges for people to get to Jesus, we need to remember that God has already been working with them. He knows the details of their life. He knows the doubts of their life. He actually created them, and he's been working in their lives before we ever extend an invite to them. They just might not realize that it's God that is working. So don't think that you're starting from scratch when you're sharing your faith with somebody and inviting them. The other thing that we see is that life challenges tend to open people's hearts. And Saul is definitely facing some challenges in this moment. I mean, look where he's at. He's, he's blind, he's questioning everything that he's ever believed up, up to that point. He doesn't know what the future holds. And this is exactly the type of situation that God uses to take people from where they're at across a bridge to get them closer to him. I'll never forget, it was August of 2002, I was playing for the Buffalo Bills and we were flying from Buffalo over to Cleveland for our very first scrimmage of the season. It was our first flight of the year and the flight doesn't last very long to get to Cleveland. It's less than an hour. And, and we were on a brand new plane that we chartered that, that year. It was a big 747, It had a lot of room. These planes are designed to fly long distances at high altitudes, neither of which we were going to be doing on this flight. But on a team charter plane, there's, there's a lot going on. There's card games going on everywhere. There's people walking around. There's meetings going on. And I'm not proud to say this, but we, we didn't always listen to exactly what the pilot told us to do when there was turbulence and he told us to buckle our seatbelts. I'm not proud of that. But on this flight, the pilot came on and he said, there's turbulence ahead. Go buckle your seatbelts. And Very few of us listened, and then we hit the turbulence. And it wasn't the type of turbulence that like shook the plane. It was the type of turbulence that you felt like you were falling out of the sky. Okay, cards are flying everywhere. People are falling down. There's guys screaming and crying. I mean, if you've ever heard a 350-pound lineman cry, it is not a pretty sight. It felt like it lasted for five minutes. It probably only lasted for five seconds. But here's what it did. For the rest of the season, whenever the pilot would come on and say, there's turbulence ahead, go buckle your seatbelts. It was a mad rush to get back to your seat and not only buckle it, but put it really tight and brace yourself because it was through that challenging situation that, that opened up our hearts to not only, not only hear the message, but actually take the pilot up on his invite to buckle our seatbelts. See, turbulence will often lead you to a seat where you can hear God's voice clearly. Can you think of a turbulent time in your life that all of a sudden you were open to a message or an invitation that you you weren't open to before? Saul's facing turbulence in his life. He's blind. He's been waiting for a few days and probably wondering what is ahead of him, but probably more than any other time in his life, he's He's at a place where he's open to the message of God and an invite from somebody. And this is when we get introduced to a second character in this story. His name is Ananias. We we know very little about Ananias and we know that he's from Damascus. We know that he's a a devout observer of the law that we read here. And and we know that he's highly respected in his community and God wants to use this faithful servant To invite Saul. And that's the part of the story that we're going to jump into today in Acts chapter 9. You can open up to that. And we're we're going to learn a few lessons from Ananias and his invite to Saul that we can apply to our perspective of an invite today. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 10, says this In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. First thing we see is that God gives clear, detailed, and challenging instructions to Ananias. God told Ananias exactly where to go exactly who to talk to and exactly what he was doing. And for my personality, I love this. I love detailed instructions. Anybody relate to that? I, I, love, I love knowing exactly what to do. I, I love knowing exactly how, how to do that because I do not like living in, in the vagueness. I, I don't want to be stuck wondering. Just an insight for you ladies a lot of us guys operate like this, okay? We're not very good at reading your minds anyways and living in the vagueness, so we want details, especially this time of year at Christmas. We, we wanna know exactly what to do to clear it up. We do better with clear, detailed instructions. See, God didn't give vague instructions to Ananias, but when God gives us detailed instructions, here's what we do. We tend to generalize specific instructions and share individual callings so that we can justify our lack of follow through. Let me say that again. We tend to generalize specific instructions and share individual callings so that we can justify our lack of follow through. God says, I want you to reach out to your neighbors. And we say, you're right, God. We should reach this city. God's going, no, no, no. I, I, I've called you to do something specific. God has given you the circle of influence you have and has given you your story to share with that circle. Many times we, we project this out onto the church. We say, if only the church would do this, then it would reach this person that I really care about and God's called me to talk to you might be sitting here saying, but God is, God is not giving me really specific instructions. I've never heard specific instructions from God. Let me push back on, on that mindset for a second. See, so God has placed you in the family that you're in, in the neighborhood that you live in, in the job that you find yourself going to every single day. And he's given you your past experiences in your story. In fact, it looks to me like God has given you very specific instructions for each of us on who we should be reach out to. God has likely given you a specific name that he wants you to be a bridge for to bring them to Jesus. Last week in our message, Mark Mark challenged us to text in the first names of the people that God has put in on our hearts to invite to come with us to Christmas services. It was so powerful. It was over this last week, we have, we have been praying as a staff for the thousands of names that got submitted. It was amazing. It was specific names put on the hearts of our church and they were clear, detailed, challenging instructions. But you know what God's specific instructions often do? They get us out of our comfort zone, don't they? And we, we love comfort. We love being comfortable because if the instructions that he gave to Ananias were general, here's what he could have done. He could have found the most comfortable place to go and the most comfortable person to talk to and still accomplish that mission. But you need to remember this, that obedience often leads to discomfort. Obedience often leads to discomfort. God calls Ananias to go to a challenging place, talk to a challenging person, and give a challenging message. And then Ananias responds to the instructions given to him in verse 13. He says this, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Can you sense what Ananias is saying? He's not all that excited about what God is asking him to go do. Ananias is afraid. And when God calls us out of our comfort zone, we need to remember that fear is normal. Ananias is letting God know things that God already knows. You ever done that? God, do you have any idea what you're doing? Let me fill you in here, God, what's going on? This guy, this guy has a past, this guy has bad intentions, and he's coming to this city to wreak havoc on us, and that's the guy you want me to go talk to? Have you ever, you ever tried to fill God in on what he doesn't know? I have. Like, this, this must be the wrong instructions, God. You must not know what you're doing. But Ananias could only see the past. He could, he could only see Saul. He didn't know God's plan for his future. Ananias could not see Paul. And when we focus on the Saul in people, when we focus on their past, it brings out fear and doubt. And if we're honest with ourselves, it brings out judgment. Because we all have a past that disqualifies us. But when we focus on the Paul in people, when we focus on their purpose and their future, you know what it brings out? It brings out faith. So don't project somebody's future based solely on their past. Listen, Ananias had some legitimate fears. And my guess is that the fears that you face when you're thinking about sharing your faith with somebody or inviting them aren't quite as terrifying as Ananias, When you think about the, the names of the people that you want to share your faith with and invite them, are any of those names names of people who are coming to the city to murder Christians? Probably not. What are we afraid of? Afraid of somebody saying no or afraid of what they might think of us? Listen, whatever your fear is, remember this. Fear is not a house you live in. Fear is a doorway you walk through. Fear is not a house that you live in. Fear is a doorway you walk through. Having fear is normal. Having fear is legitimate at times, but it's not something that you should live the rest of your life in. It is something that you need to face and walk through. And Ananias in this moment is fearful. But I love the response that God gives to Ananias in verse 15, it says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. In this moment, God reminds Ananias that we are not God's HR department. And you're like, what are you talking about HR department? You know what the HR department does, right? They handle all the complaints And issues in a company, they screen potential employees that are coming in, making sure they have the right experience and the right personality and the right giftings to join the company. And Ananias is letting God know all about Saul's past. And he's letting him know that this guy does not fit into our company culture. God reminded Ananias it is not his job to screen people that he's called. He uses some amazing first-person pronouns in here. He says, he's my chosen instrument to proclaim my name. I will show him, God says. God says, listen, Ananias, I have a mission for this guy. In fact, Ananias, I'm going to use him to reach people that you could never reach yourself. I love the fact that in this moment, God did not try to give him a motivational speech. Like, you're going to be okay, Ananias. You're good enough. You're strong enough. You can do this. No, he didn't say You know what he said? He said, go. He simply said, go. You see, Ananias could only see his past, but God could see his future. And God doesn't care about our perspective of people. He just sees their potential. By the way, no matter who you are here today, That's how God feels about you. Like My past is so checkered. I've made so many mistakes. People's perception of me, it's actually right because of some of the bad decisions I made. And God is sitting there looking at your life saying, I have great plans for him or her. I have great plans for you. I want to use your past. I want to use your experience to show people how great I am and so that you will reach new people. In fact, God says the same thing about you that he says about Saul. He says, you are my chosen instrument to proclaim my name. So Ananias walks through the, the doorway of fear and in verse 17, this is what it says. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit, as we step into the to the moment of sharing our faith with somebody, we need to remember that our welcome matters more than our words. Notice that God, that uh, Ananias didn't say anything profoundly theological to Saul in this moment. All he said was, hey, he sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't walk him through the Old Testament proving Jesus. He didn't didn't lead him through the steps of salvation. He didn't even bring his Bible so that he could read him scripture. But his presence was more impactful than his promises. And what we need to remember is that our words are more important than our appointments. Our words aren't as important as our appointments. Our words aren't as important as our appointments. But let me tell you this, and we can all relate to this. You ever had a conversation start out really bad? Somebody walks up to you and says, hey, don't take this the wrong way. What a great way to start out. A con- or they say, hey, I'm telling you this in love. It's a bad start to the conversation. Or hey, I love this one. No offense, but it's a good. Start. Or as a parent, we've all had this one. Dad, promise that you won't get mad. Okay. I think my favorite one is when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, can I be honest with you for a moment? Like, you've been lying to me this whole time? Like, of course I want you to be honest with me. Where are we at? There's some really bad starts to some conversations that we all experience. But the truth is, our welcome and the start of our conversations, they matter. And Ananias did something here that we often overlook and we... And we underplay. Remember what's going on. Saul is coming to the city with some bad intentions. He's, he's been blind for three days. He's in a home. He's not knowing what's next. And a stranger walks into a house who he doesn't know. And he doesn't even know his intentions. And look at the first two words that Ananias says to Saul. He says, brother Saul. What a powerful start to a conversation. So he uses the term brother, signifying that Saul is, is welcome and he's, he's part of the family. Despite our background, despite our differences, you're welcome here. And then he calls him by his name. He says, brother Saul. To our knowledge, these two have, have not officially met yet, but Ananias not only uses the term letting him know he's welcome, but he also calls him by his name, letting him know that he is known. And don't we don't we all need that to feel welcomed and known? See adding his name personalized it for Saul. And he welcomed Saul by his old name's before Saul ever changed his ways. And by that welcome Saul was able to belong before he ever believed. We flip this oftentimes. We, th- we think we need to act right before we can belong. But Saul got exactly what he needed from Ananias. He knew that he belonged before he believed. And listen, our, our first words when we're interacting with people can either build a wall or can build a bridge. So how do people feel welcomed by you? It's been said that people will likely not remember what you say to them, but they will remember how you made them feel. And we don't need all the right words and all the right answers right away. You just need to show up and welcome them first because our welcome matters more than our words. But this message is not about hearing God's detailed instructions or overcoming fear or even the words that we use. This message is actually about something a lot bigger than that. Let me go back and reread verse 10. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. You know what this message is really about? Obedience. Notice Ananias answered yes before any question was asked of him. See, the most important attribute of an evangelist is not their background, it's not their education, or it's not their knowledge. The most important attribute is their obedience. Let me ask you a question. Is, is your answer yes to God no matter what he asks you? We're also grateful for the obedience that Ananias had in this moment because God ended up taking that invitation and using a man with a checkered past to not only impact that man's life, but also reach people who are not part of the inner circle, reach people who are far from God. He took the message all over the world. See, Ananias did not know the impact Saul was going to have, but he said yes. See, we can't fathom what God wants to do in in the future in and through somebody. He just calls us to obedience. So what's at stake with an invite? More than you'll ever know. I think about my life today. I think about my family and my marriage and my kids and my leadership and ministry and my relationships. And I think about how God called me into a relationship with him, not through a pastor's sermon, but through a teammate's invite. Think about what what would my life look like today had Brock not invited me to come to Bible study with him? What would my life look like today had John not poured his life into me and challenged me to go all in with Jesus? Because a pastor didn't lead me to Jesus. A teammate did. Remember the story I told you at the top of the message about Jennifer Remember that it wasn't a, a pastor who invited her to church or a letter to Jesus. It was, it was a friend. It was actually her boss that did that. You don't know what's at stake in somebody's life, but I pray that you would be obedient and say yes. I mean, don't you want to be a part of the story that God is still writing? Think how sad it would be for me if I got to the end of my life and I got to heaven. And in heaven, nobody says that I was part of their story of them getting there. That would be sad. CCV, this, this coming week is Christmas. We have Christmas services starting at all of our campuses, including on, online. And the fact is, is that this is one of the easiest invites that we have all year. So here's our challenge as we get ready to wrap up our message. Invite whoever this week to a Christmas service, but it's not whoever. There's somebody that God has put on your heart said, man, I need to reach out to them. I need to reach out to them and invite them to come with me to Christmas services because who's in your life that needs to hear the hope of Jesus and why Christmas even takes place? What's at stake may be somebody's life like Jennifer's story. What's at stake might be future generations and families, but trust me, there's a lot more at stake than you think. To close out our message today, I, I wanted to read a prayer from somebody who whose life almost ended, but now... They're living their life for Jesus. See, I talked to Jennifer on the phone this past week, and we were talking about her story, and then she emailed me a prayer. And I just want to read this prayer from somebody who had an invite change their life. Let's pray. Heavenly and gracious Father, I'm, I'm alive today to tell the story of how I've struggled and made it when I didn't think I could and I was alone. There's goodness and redemption in the power of your son's blood. We're so glad that that our forgiveness wasn't based on what we've done. We ask that you continue to guide us all in this world of uncertainty and help those who need you, want you, and do not know where to turn. Help those that need you to find the courage to accept an invitation and find you. We will continue to be your mouthpiece every chance we get to invite others to your table. Thank you for being our light in the darkness. In the glory of na- glorious name of Jesus, we pray, amen.